Mavericks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Movie Mavericks, speaking of fucking long, uncut European cocks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Now for your hosts, Jason and Trevor. I can't wait. Hey now, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm Trevor Anderson. And joining us from Clan McLeod, we have Jason Rugard, and he's going to tell us what this episode is all about. This is our eagerly anticipated Highlander retrospective episode. Uh, both Trevor and I watched the 1986 cult classic this week. We're going to be discussing it for the next hour. Uh, hang around and listen to our thoughts on this very, very odd film. Wouldn't you say this is probably the most offbeat, uh, little-known film that we've done a retro of so far? Uh, sure. I mean, so far, yeah. This is not really... It gets weird in this, to be honest, though. I mean, that Maximum Risk one was a little odd, uh, a Van Damme. Yeah, there, that but, one's uh, a little weird, but... This is purposely odd, and it's extremely dated. Did you feel that when you went back and looked at this? Oh, well, for sure. I mean, it's, it's right dead in the middle of the 80s. Dead in the middle of the 80s. This is the, the film that really launched Christopher Lambert into... I don't want to say stardom, but he was headline films. <laughs> no, you can't this. say stardom. <laughs> no, but people know who he is. And you say that name. Do they? And... Do they? Not today. I mean, in certain circles, maybe. You know, if you're breaking out the 16 sided die, sure. Yeah. If you're... <laughs> 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 that was a little jazz. Somebody's feeling feisty today, huh? So, uh, Christopher Lambert, what's his most famous movie outside of this franchise, would you say? What do you think of? Uh, hmm. I, I really only think of Highlander. If I was ever to explain who this guy is, I don't know. Who would you go with? The Hunted. I mean, yeah, but I know, right? I mean, great movie, but uh, I no one's seen it that I know. What about Greystoke, <laughs> The Legend of Tarzan? Yeah, again, though, I don't really know a lot. Of, I think more people have heard of Highlander because of the cult status. Um. I mean, if you're talking about nowadays, yeah, I think that's the last one, really the only one I could say. This movie was going to be remade countless times. As recently as last year, Justin Lin was attached still working as director. Ryan Reynolds was cast as the lead, and I have heard that this is dead in the water. Is this going anywhere? Really? It's dead now? I don't know. It's just still um, sitting there. They're still trying to uh, get someone in on it, right? As far as I know, I don't know. Well, it's not a film that necessarily needs to be rebooted, right? But it, at the same time, it has been – I want to say that there's a, a television show. There's, well, there's two television shows, if not three spinoffs. There was five movies. There's been like seven novels they did. There's an animated yeah. show, an animated cartoon movie they did. This has been done to – there's a card game, in fact, a Highlander card game and a video game. It has been outsourced a little bit, I think. So they've gone mm-hmm. way far away from the original material. But tonight we talk about Highlander 1. When was the first time you saw this movie? Yeah, Do you recall? Uh, um, I can't really recall. It was in the 90s. So it had been out for and a while, home I, video. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if I saw it before then, then I don't I wouldn't. I don't remember. I doubt that I did. It was in the 90s, you know, but there was a. Um, I mean, the 90s was a good time to revisit a lot of these 80s things. And you had um, a lot of kick-ass movies like uh, Nemesis and... Uh, and, you know, Payoon stuff basically was kind of like in the vein of this. This is a movie that I recall the video box of in the store. You know, like I, I yeah. recall that box and I never saw it until I you had a, I'll say a crazy aunt. I had a very beloved aunt who saw mm-hmm. a lot of shitty movies and took me to them. And Highlander 2 I saw when I was younger. I thought, oh, let's, I'll go back and try to rent the first one and, uh, weeks later and, and see what I 
because I and it made no sense of Highlander too. It made no sense to me whatsoever. But you mm-hmm. realize that none of these movies make sense, and that seeing any of them in order has no bearing right, on the right. next yeah, one. Yeah, no, no, because this is a complete uh, story all unto itself. I mean, yeah. how does how can it go on past this? Is a good question. It really can't, but they somehow have made been able to. Oh yeah, they stretched this out to the point of uh, breaking. And I love that this movie begins at a wrestling match. That it starts with a WWE match or WWF back then. Mm-hmm. And that it's like absolutely normal that everybody in this wrestling match is going apeshit but McLeod. They do that pan up to him and he's strangely silent, but everyone around him is roaring. It's a very odd beginning mm-hmm. to this movie. And it sets the tone right away that you're going to be seeing something that is a little bit off the beaten track. Because this isn't your sword and sorcery movie, a Conan movie, or... It has a little bit of everything. I mean, as Cisco and Ebert will say later in the show. It does. But I mean, a lot of that has to do with just the the genesis of this whole thing, right? This is being someone's, uh, or the writer guy's UCLA student project, right? I love that. Sold yeah. the script, yeah. Um, you see, you mentioned the wrestling match. I, I've heard that it was originally supposed to open in a hockey uh, ring, but they didn't want to. Hockey didn't like that because they didn't want to seem uh, overly brutal. Which is right. hilarious. So they let so so that had to be switched to be wrestling, but that's kind of how this whole movie goes, isn't it? Uh, they had this idea, and then that you you just see from the very beginning of where this started from to the end of the movie that you get is totally different, completely different. Right? There was no quickening. There was no, uh, you know, immortals could have children. Um, uh, just weird things, you know, that that somehow got warped into uh, what we ended up with. And I actually think that. As far as like explaining what immortals are and putting them in a box and everything, this movie does a pretty good job of that. Like you do have an idea of that these are like vampiric type immortal guys, right? Who have powers and they're going around, they're trying to get powers and things. Um, I will say it takes a long time to explain that though, don't you think? <laughs> I'm glad you brought the fact of the vampires because I kept thinking as I was watching this that they're samurai vampires, basically. Yeah, essentially, right? I mean that that's the the thing that I get. I mean that's kind of the um I mean, uh, Ebert made fun of the, of the Scottish accent, but uh, to, to me, I agree as well because he's very. He, uh, Lambert comes off as kind of this uh, cheap uh, Dracula knockoff in a way, right? I see. I thought that his his French accent, Scottish accent, whatever you want to call whatever mm-hmm. he was attempting to do there, just made him sound other other timely. You know, a timely well, that's what I mean, kind of European right? and, and yeah. hard to place. And so whatnot. he comes off as very. I, I to me, I thought like Dracula, like especially when he. Uh, is in modern day. Um, it's especially apparent because he's in, well, modern day, right? <laughs> in quotation marks, but he's in the normal clothes and things and walking around like, oh, yes, hello. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, something that you can't really understand. <laughs> You're like, okay. This movie also features Clancy Brown, who is spectacular in almost everything he's in <laughs> as the bad guy. He was yeah. also in Starship Troopers for those that need something a little bit uh, more so modern. He's so weird looking. Um, in this one, they it almost, uh, I don't know, the long hair kind of hides his, his weirdness a little bit, his oddly shaped head. <laughs> I love him in this movie. No, he's I, I great. Think yeah, he's a good bad guy. This is a, one of the first movies, too, that really, I don't want to, I hate to use the term MTV style, but that's what they called it back then, but used that music video style in a feature film mm-hmm. very, very strongly. That was kind of a, a burgeoning uh, tactic or stylistic choice, and Russell McCulgany, who was behind this, came from the world of music videos, really implemented a, a crazy camera. Some of the coverage in this movie is bizarre. Uh, dolly shots, mm-hmm. you know, kind of circular dolly shots covering a, a 
a, a two shot for no reason, really. It, it, it's bizarre how it goes back and forth. You can see it hits a point and then comes back the other way. Like it's just a guy yeah, running yeah. on a dolly with another guy and it goes back this way. <laughs> but it works sometimes too um, for the pan in and outs on the sword fighting well, and, and the whole it style. It works really well for this movie because it's so choppy, right? I prefer the Scottish scenes over the modern day New York stuff. I think the old time stuff mm-hmm. is way more intriguing. Not only because it has Sean Connery in it. Uh, we'll get to which is a second here. Well, but that's where everything's of, happening. To to be fair, right? That's where you're learning everything. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, the other ones are just kind of hanging out, and he's uh, screwing around with his the girl and the fucking sword. Have you seen all five Highlanders? No, I don't think so. I don't think I I've seen to... some of the later ones. You haven't seen Endgame? Did you see the one with him? No, and, see, uh... I, I, mm, I may I may have seen it uh, scenes of it, but I don't. I don't think I saw the whole thing. It's well, you're not missing a whole lot. No, but it's I know I'm a, not. That's why I never it's kind of a guilty pleasure for me that one, um, and it's not even the worst one of the series. But I think this is. Um, I know it's considered to be the best of the series because it's the first one, and it's uh-huh. you know it's it set the, the tone and the rules. But I could argue that it's really the dullest of all of them. Did you find that? Well, I mean, it's a slow. Um... It's a slow burn movie, movie like that. But I don't know if it, that's dull. That's just the type of movie that it is. I've seen. A lot of movies. I mean, I just I named Nemesis, right? This movie is very similar to Nemesis. You know, if you want to talk about a dull movie, I have that. So it's just that's what I mean. It's just kind of like it was. I I guess it's weird that you say MTV like they they to make it you know look like a crazy camera moves. You know, it's a very disjointed story as well, um, where scenes just do not lead into other scenes, Um, and and yet it's dull. You know, but that was a it was almost just a, a how they were back then. Well, let's take a quick break and listen to the trailer for 1986's Highlander. From another time comes a man of great power. Talk funny, Nash. Where are you from? Lots of different places. A warrior of incredible strength. You've the devil in you. We've been kinsmen 20 years. Connor McLeod was my kinsman. I don't know who you are. Because you were born different, men will fear you, try to drive you away. man uncertain of his future. What you got here, Brenda, is a guy who's been creeping around since at least 1700. It's not possible. And haunted by his past. Wait a minute, Nash. I want some answers. You cannot die, McLeod. I am Connor McLeod of the clan McLeod. I was born in 1518 in the village of Glenfinnan on the shores of Loch Shiel. Now I am immortal. A hero who is about to face his greatest challenge. You will always be weaker than I. What can you tell me about a seven-foot lunatic hacking away with a broadsword at one o'clock in the morning, New York City, 1985? Not much, for he is not alone. All right, we're right back with you here discussing Highlander, which is uh, an odd movie. I, I don't know. Going back to seeing this movie, I, <laughs> I remember it being a lot better than it was, if we're being honest here. And there's so many oh, yeah. vague inconsistencies in the fact that, one, that there's no parking garage in the garage of Madison Square Garden. So you can't go down there and have a sword fight. So just things like that. And But the Queen music overcomes a lot in this for me. 
Does the Queen music work for the? I would say that this is the best music Queen did for a movie, much better than Flash Gordon. Um, I don't know if it's much better. Uh, it was. I don't know if it's used very well in this movie. I don't know. It's really. It's not. It doesn't have the same landing that the Flash Gordon things did, but it. It just. I don't know. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's okay, huh? So no, it doesn't. I guess work for me as much. I have a problem right. with the overall immortals in general. Maybe you can help me out with this. Oh, you got an issue with them? I, I just don't understand <laughs> something. How can two immortals ever really be friends? Uh, what do you mean? Well, they don't have to kill each other, right? I mean, the, the you're not, well, and they're not, right? I mean, when he meets his old friend um, and all the immortals get together or whatever, apparently except for Kurgan, they don't like him. So he doesn't get invited, but hey, he didn't get the when invite. They, when they hang out together, they're weary of each other, right? Like, are you going to try to fucking chop my head off and shit? Um, but they don't have to do that, right? I mean, that was the whole Sean Connery part, aspect of it, right? Is that like, you, if you do this, you get the quickening, right? You fucking take some power and shit. And like, if you're the last one, you get like the ultimate power, like the prize, right? But he's like, but you know, you don't have to fucking do that. You know, you can just fucking live forever. Yeah, more but they, but it makes you them want to do. Yeah, I know. Which is unfortunate because he. I mean, the whole drive for this, and I didn't really understand this part of it. Kurgan wants this thing, but it makes you mortal. Yeah, so why would you want so to So why would Kurgan want this? Yeah, I understand that, okay, McLeod would want this, right? He, right, I so mean, you can be with the woman. Connor right. would want this. This is exactly what he would want. So if anyone's out there wanting to do this, it would be him and not Kurgan, right? And yet he's the, and it's it's the you know wrong motivation for character because Connor's not wanting to do this. Yeah, so it's really weird. Him. Really, really, I, I thought to me, I thought that was a little weird. But I mean, I, I understood what they were going for. But that might be one of those one of those issues where when you have something that you're turning around so much and changing, by the time you're done with it, you you think everything's motivated correctly, right? Because you have a bad guy and a good guy. And in the end, the bad guy gets fucked and the good guy gets the prize, which is exactly what he wanted. Yeah, that's all that's all backwards. <laughs> you just you just convinced me this movie is badly, badly structured. <laughs> One of the things I do like about the the universe of Highlander is that their churches are sacred ground and that they can meet there and it gives a chance for the bad guy and the good guy always to kind of square off and, and have that scene, which I think in this movie is the best scene in the movie. Uh, where Krill is in there. Is it Kruger? Krill? What's his name? Kurgan. Krugan, yeah. Kurgan, He's in yeah. there and uh, <laughs> acting just a damn fool, acting very punk rock. It, it's like, a, I mean, it's not like it's Pacino De Niro good, but it's it's a great scene for Clancy Brown. It's really and, good, and it's yeah. a cool little punk and creepy, rock. creepy, but also funny. It has, a, it has that funniness where the, and you're not sure if he's going to kill the priest or not, right? But he kind of just is like, you know, get out. And he's just, I mean, the priest basically meets the devil, right? Right. Yeah, it's so kind of kind of funny a little bit. Yeah, you know, sexually kind of assaulted by him and stuff. And, yeah, uh, and the movie itself has a kind of a punk rock sensibility, but it's mixed with like this baroque era elegance in, in sequences too. Like the bridge where him and his buddy meet is very very beautiful, and some of the visuals in this is it's kind of a majestic yet dirty and grimy all in the same movie. It goes back and forth from that. And it, I don't know if that's a necessarily positive thing or a negative thing because it just throws the whole the movie it just makes more of an unsettling experience and this whole movie is unsettling because nothing gels right there's no sequence that gels it's all different no yeah it's all very and it's very jarring um i mean even between things that take place in the same time period uh between sequences and scenes between those is like 
I don't, it's like you're watching short. Well, it's like you're watching a music video, right? Several right. music like, videos in one. Do you see the influence from James Cameron's Terminator in this? Because I see it all over the place. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely see that. There was also mention of um, of uh, what was it? Ridley Scott's The Duelist, and this is very kind of Ridley Scott to me. It reminds me a lot of Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. I can see that too. I thought Cameron, especially with the the leather jacket and the hotel room, yeah. you know, and being an asshole and just kind of driving around looking for things. And even the gal, uh, she looks a whole lot like Linda Hamilton did in the first Terminator. And I and just in, thought, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say in many ways that you're exactly right. The same idea, right? Time travel. Um, it yeah. just took him a long time. He just went forward. <laughs> but it's the same thing, right? You're going back in time or in that place. It was the future coming back in time. Here's the past going to the future, right? But the same type of a, of of an idea. This movie's second half is way more entertaining than the first half. It takes about an hour, and then it yeah. really ramps up and goes. In that final duel on the high rise there of the, the Studio City there, I think that's a, a nicely constructed sequence and mm. beautiful to look at even today. And originally was supposed to be Statue of Liberty. Which is like Rima Williams part two. Which is just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm glad it was uh, smaller. I'm glad they made it smaller in the end. Um, I think budgetary concerns might have had a, had a lot to do I know. I'm sure that had a lot to do with it, obviously. But um, if it had been at the Statue of Liberty, it would have been too big, right? This movie was, I don't know, these things work for me because they're small, right? Even though this is... Um, this whole craziness is happening and, and the cops and everyone's trying to deal with this weird shit that's going on. But um, if it gets too big, then I don't know. It just becomes the Avengers, right? I mean, it's just, it's too big. Yeah. I do like the fact that it's more of a low key. He is somewhat superhero esque in the, the whole mm-hmm. rules they set up for them, but they're not, they're not fighting to save the, well, they are fighting to save the world, I guess. Cause if Kurgan, it's, no one knows that about it. it's bad, right. But no one does know about it. I know. So they don't need to, it doesn't need to be this huge uh, battle where they, you know, level a city. It's just these two guys fighting and nobody knows about it, but that's going to, whoever wins is going to be whether the world survives or not. That's interesting to me anyways. I've heard the rumor that the opening narration has an echo to it because Sean Connery recorded it in his bathroom in Spain. I've, I've heard that too, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think the opening narration is fine, but I just love the fact that Connery yeah. is sitting there pushing a hemorrhoid <laughs> and uh, <laughs> recording dialogue. Exactly. I believe you can hear a little bit of tss, just a little bit of gas escaping in between <laughs> words there. That was but the yeah. last But part. I agree. I mean, that's, that's part of the charm to this movie, I thought, and something that makes it um, – and when you think of something uh, – like a cult classic. It's those kinds of things. Right. And, and I mentioned Blade Runner and this movie has several different cuts to it as well. Just like, just like Blade Runner, which in turn gets you a little more interested in it. Right. There's they made changes to this and you think, well, what the, why <laughs> I, I got to see it. What are you talking about? Could it have been a better change or a worse change? That happens too. <laughs> why the hell would you change any of it? Uh, McCloud is supposed to be 450 years old in this movie, and he's gone through several. He several looks great. Women. Uh, he has. He's got he has. He's, he's plowed day. through some women. And, 450. I mean, obviously, he cannot die, and he out keeps outliving his women. And this one starts, and he's already has a female that he's basically being a real asshole to. And he's chasing after this other one. And yet this this older <laughs> one knows about it, and they don't really go anywhere with that storyline. But I know <laughs> she's somewhat kind of happy for him that he's finding this new younger lover to go on to, and uh, you know it's just a, it's well, a weird she would have to be right. <laughs> it's a weird plot point that they really developed further in the television show than they did ever in the movies. Huh. I didn't really watch TV shows, so 
I've watched a couple seasons of it. The couple part two, seasons. though, <laughs> yeah, a couple seasons, yeah, a couple seasons. Anyway, you've watched some shitty television, which, which means life, so. you watched the whole thing. <laughs> How many seasons of Angel did you watch? Means you own it. A couple seasons. It was only on a couple, for a couple seasons. <laughs> couple seasons. That's that's the new fucking motto. A couple seasons. Uh, how about the the Rambo fanatic who wears the Hey Moscow shirt on <laughs> and tries to attack the fucking uh, the bad guy in the alleyway? What is that? Uh, he just gets about? his ass beat. I mean, that is like okay. So Police Academy's a hit. So we got you know Tackleberry and we I got don't him know. shooting. Man, yeah. Um, I guess that was just so that the humans could could have something in there. I don't know. Did you also notice that uh, John Polito was the one of the detectives who just died recently? The guy yeah, from The yeah. Crow. Uh, guy was in everything. And this movie mm-hmm. has, I mean, I know Crow comes after it, but the fingerprints are like that same kind of world. Doesn't it seem like The Crow could be running around in the same world? Yeah, well, the it's all the same kind of, it's, it's, I don't know if it was just the filmmakers of the time, but there was a lot of the same mentality going on in these lower budget weird movies that have since become cult classics in a way, you know. There's this. You said the crow. Um, I would say cyborg. You know, a lot of Payun stuff at the time. And it's all very, very similar. Let's take a quick break and listen to Siskel and Ebert wax poetic on their thoughts on Highlander. Roger takes a look at an action picture called Highlander, and I'm gonna be. And now you really told us what you thought about a room with a view, so I think I can guess what you think of Highlander. I'm gonna give my opinion, which is this is sort of like a garage sale Good. at the house of a berserk screenwriter. You got this it. Movie has a little bit of everything: immortality, sword fights, ancient legends, muscular heroes, exploding automobiles, wise old men, beautiful women, bloody beheadings, and lightning crackling through the sky. It has an especially lot of beheadings and mm. lightning. In fact. Occasionally, people's fingertips just tingle with all of the excess electrical energy in the story. The story involves a race of immortals, men who can be killed in only one way, by having their heads chopped off with a sword. I guess that's supposed to be a Scottish accent. I should have explained that uh, the story goes back and forth between ancient Scotland and the modern day. You know, the ancient stuff reminded me of the Vikings. Remember with Kirk Douglas going past? The Vikings was better, and it was a bad film. Kirk Douglas goes past on the horse, and Ernest Borgnine says, What a man! Odin could have sired him, but I did. That's the kind of dialogue they have in here. No accent is going to save this dialogue. I thought Highlander was a completely, and thank you for laughing at that story, completely silly and very boring movie. I kept hoping for something interesting to come along and interrupt those endless sword fights. Back and forth. These guys must have had pecs like this by the time they were finished. And finally I realized what movie Highlander reminded me of. That's entertainment. That's right, that's entertainment, and that's dancing, and all those other movies that are collections of all the great high points from dozens of movies, one high point right after another with nothing in between. Now, take away the high points, too, and you have Highlander. You could call it that sword fighting. Yeah. Well, that's not bad. Uh, that's funnier than your impression of Ernest Borgnine. Thank you very much. Uh, the, uh, no, uh, this one... First of all, I want to tell you something. I saw this in one of the best movie theaters in the United States. I happened to be in Los Angeles, and I saw this in the AFCO Cinema on Wilshire Boulevard, Wilshire Boulevard. near Westwood. The sound was spectacular, and when this movie started mm-hmm. with a great opening scene, I thought, I'm in for a fabulous time. Mm-hmm. I saw this movie under the greatest conditions that I've seen a movie in a long time. Mm-hmm. It is one of the lousiest films I've ever seen in my life. It made no sense whatsoever as it flipped between the two stories. Sean Connery is billed forth here. He has a bit part. If you're a Sean Connery fan, don't get suckered in That's and right. go to see uh-huh. it. His whole part 
he looks like a, he just stepped off a beef eater gin bottle. It's laughable. <laughs> the movie, the whole movie is laughable. The whole movie is is completely ridiculous. And oddly enough, we didn't go to the same show apparently because I didn't see you there, but I saw it in the same theater, and the sound is good. You're thinking, you're sitting there thinking, I've seen so many movies and so many. Crummy theaters. Yes. Why, if I'm in this That's, theater, can I be seeing a good movie? Yes. I guess we're just too much to ask for. All right. Did you watch the HD presentation of this or what? How'd you see this? Yeah. Um, I watched this on Hulu. Hulu. Okay. So I saw it on Blu-ray. This is obviously very, very cleaned up presentations. Mine was a 30th anniversary edition. I'm sure yours is something of that along that nature. Mm -hmm. Talking about different yeah. cuts. Mine was about 118 minutes long. And, um, I have no idea what mine was. <laughs> we could have watched different cuts. I really don't know. It still looks like shit. I mean, let's be honest. It still looks grimy and, and like the, it's you know grainy in some parts, and there's other sequences that look great. Mm -hmm. But to think that it wouldn't have played well in a theater back then with the, with the sound effects and the, the blaring score. I mean, this movie just seemed like one of the movies that attacks you. Mm -hmm. The soundtrack, the visuals, it's attacking. But you have to wonder. I mean, obviously this became you know, more of a cult hit after that. Um, and it doesn't, I, I mean, when you think of movies like Roadhouse or any other thing that's, that got big, you know, Porky's, um, it, it does make a difference between going to the theater and going to a good theater and thinking, oh, wow, I'm going to watch this amazing movie and have it turn out to be this rather than watching something on, you know, cable and have it turn out to be this. Um, it's almost like the difference between, you know, spending a whole shitload of money to, to, to have something crappy or spending almost no money to, to uncover a gym, right? Yeah, I would. This was the kind of movie that didn't need to be seen on the largest screen possible. Yet, it it's better on a smaller well. screen, I think. Yeah, it yeah. probably plays just as well as long as you know what you're getting into, right? I mean, I think that's the that's the issue with a lot of these movies and why they play so much better on home video or when expectations are lower, right? You you're, you find them to be better. <laughs> well, I always it call makes these sense, but late night viewing pleasures you know when yeah, people are slightly yeah. inebriated on whatever substance and they stumble upon it and, and they're so weird yeah just yeah you're right if you're if you're high which i'm sure you were you'd probably find this to be interesting right yeah exactly <laughs> you find you know this is the kind of stuff that used to show on cable back when things we used to have, i mean for the younger kids out there there was these mom and pop video stores and if they didn't have the <laughs> shit you were screwed you know but right. there were times when you would turn on the tv late night and i come in peace or Showdown in Little Tokyo sure. would be on, and you're like, "What is this?" You know, and um, and you just kind of stumble upon these things that are now easily found on Netflix or various avenues uh, streaming, mm -hmm. and it was a lot harder to come by those. So, and you sometimes you'd only see like three quarters of it, and you'd have to wait to find the beginning. Yeah, you know? and you'd, you'd be like, like, "What the fuck was that?" And I yeah, had like, to find that. <laughs> you go to the video store. I mean, I remember seeing um, it was a, a strange B movie called. I, I always fuck it oh. up because my friend and I always mispronounce the name because that's what we thought it was. But I want to think it's called The Siege of Firebase Gloria with Wings Hauser. Mm -hmm. It's a really shitty, good B Vietnam movie. And my friends and I saw it's a three shitty. quarters of it. Yeah, and we tried <laughs> to go to the video store and find it. And we're telling the guy, it's, it's really Assault hard to on find. Gloria. It's hard to find nowadays. Yeah, but th this is in the 80s and stuff. But mm -hmm. that was a, a great little B movie. But just nowadays, things are so easily accessible. I mean, well, you can find and, these. And I mean, we're talking about way back when, when you would have to open up a, like you'd, you'd find the movie and you'd be watching it. And if they didn't announce the name, 
um, which sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. You'd have to open up a little magazine thing and look for here's today's date and here's today's time and this is what's on this is what's it's on like, this channel. It's fucking coordinates, <laughs> longitude and latitude. Yeah. You have to television. flip through that little bitch and be like, all right, this is what I'm watching. Yeah, try to tell kids nowadays that there was actually a book people bought that told them what the shit was on TV yeah. <laughs> and when it was going to be on. Uh, and this was a staple for HBO. It really was. Um, not as much as Beastmaster. You ever hear of the Dennis Miller Beastmaster joke? No. I'll share it with you since we're not talking Beastmaster, but we should be. <laughs> um, Dennis Miller used to say that they played Beastmaster so often on HBO, he thought HBO stood for Hey, Beastmaster's on. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. It's very, very true. And this was right in that vein of movies mm. they played. But I wonder when... This got that cult status because obviously home video uh, got this out to more people than it did in a theatrical setting. Sure. So when between 86 and 90, when they started production on part two, did this really make the turn? Because the show didn't come out until I want to say 92, 93. It kind of followed part two. So how, how and when, you know, what kind of money does this have to make? To get everybody back on board. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I it, it's a good question. I know. I I wonder that myself as well. Like, what's the timeline like for for something like this? Because it's uh, it's weird. And just how how lucrative could this as a franchise really have been overall? Like, it just doesn't. It seems like it's scraping the bottom, right? All of these were low grocers. Somehow they yeah, but why they keep making them the respective then? weekend? But still, my goodness. Somehow they did. I mean, they just kept uh, kept making them. I always preferred part three. Sometimes it's called Highlander: The Final Dimension. Sometimes it's called Highlander: yeah. The Sorcerer. But it's the one with Mario Van Peebles as the bad guy. You seen that one? Uh, I don't remember, so probably not. And I'm the smoker, huh? <laughs> Do you don't remember? <laughs> Mm-mm. These are. I, I mean, I haven't seen any of these in so long. No, I know. That's why we went back and looked yeah. at this one. To be fair, I didn't either. But director Russell McCauley, he's his career. We talked about it a little bit on the Rambo Three podcast. Mm-hmm. But he also would go on to do Ricochet, Silent Trigger with Dolph Lundgren, Scorpion King Two, the directed video sequel. And his career to me always seemed similar to that of Chuck Russell, who did the original Scorpion King, Eraser, The Mask, where they did these movies that were actually you know, widely seen and were theatrical and then got kind of stuck doing B-movies the rest of their lives. Hmm. No, you don't see the comparison there, huh? I mean, I guess, I, I guess. Like they're capable I mean, of yeah. making a first-rate movie and sometimes they no, get they the are. Game. I mean, he, uh, you know, Russell Mulcahill, Mulca- oh, for crying out loud, Russell yeah. <laughs> My made, Russ. um, yeah, I think, aside from the, the original, uh, my favorite Resident Evil movie, so... He did what part three? Yeah, part three. Yeah, that's right. Which is basically that. a post-apocalyptic wasteland movie. But I, I did like that one quite a bit more than, than honestly the second or third or fourth one. <laughs> I know, right? So, but the fifth one's okay, and you're like, okay, uh, uh, no. I mean, the first one's good, um, and then this one, I, I, that one, I really like. So he has done some stuff that where you can where you can believe. I don't know. They certainly aren't selling things that are like. Scorpion King 2 from the director of Highlander and Highlander 2, right? Are they? I don't think they are. I don't think he ever wants to be associated with Highlander 2. <laughs> well, too bad he is. 
And you hear about, you know, the how everybody, this, that, and the other on this movie, and um, Connery just he's got everything done in seven days and had a bet with McCallany and said, you know, you're not going to have it done, and he had it done. But everybody came back for the sequel. The money uh-huh. couldn't have been that high, you know, so they obviously enjoyed what they were doing and saw that they had something here. Or it was just it, so simple and easy to do. Which, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, especially for Connery, King, right? I mean... He must say he hardly probably wasn't even working at all in the first one and the second one as well, right? Probably just fucking around the whole time. And the second one is the oddest one. In a series of oddities, the second one is like a fucking Masters of the Universe, the Dolph Lundgren <laughs> version mixed with, I don't know what. It's just bizarre. Uh, Red Shoe Diaries? <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah, the slow fuck against the wall, the classic. Um, but I am kind of glad that we went back and looked at this because I hadn't seen this in a long time and mm-hmm. it is fun to to see these movies that became cult classics and some of the advertising material for this i showed you a poster a while back that, uh, that i'm probably going to put on the main page of movie mavericks and you'll you'll see it. it it's just bizarre looking like that sweaty subway poster remember that that black and white poster yeah. i sent you the fuck was that that's creepy is what it is it's how it's when you want no one to see your film yeah right well it looks like a horror movie I thought it just looked like a punk rock poster. Like it could have been like a band. Yeah, that like, too. I guess. Just like gross. Were... Something gross. Yeah, just something kind of fucking gross. Watch this stuff. You gross. I don't know. It's it's an interesting movie. It, it's nice to go back and watch a movie where sparks are you know, a main special effect. In, in the, <laughs> you know I what I mean? Like it. it's a big deal. Oh, the 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 car headlights are blowing out. Feature it, feature, feature that. Yes, this is an amazing special effect. <laughs> and when the swords clank, they spark. <laughs> yes, exactly. And as much as I make fun of it, I still fucking love it to this day. I'm like, oh yes. Yeah, now there is a, a charming quality to scenes like that in this movie. Although the choreography is minimalist. There's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is some of the worst sword fighting I've seen in my life. It's you can see the fear in each other's actors' yeah, eyes going, right? oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> Nobody's trained on this set. I think Mark Hamill wields a blade more convincingly. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I enjoyed this one. I think I said the part three was my favorite, although part four Endgame is a is a is such a fucking weird movie that it's kind of a fun one to go back to every decade or so and go, what is this again? Because I forget that one exists. And part five was done by Brett Leonard, who also did a couple of good movies, uh, kind of in that Russell McCauley vein, Hideaway mm-hmm. and Virtuosity. I guess they aren't good movies, but he did some mm-hmm. theatrical movies. I like Virtuosity. So do I. I like Hideaway. And Hideaway, yeah. <laughs> Gold Bloom and whatnot. I do yeah. like both those. And Lawnmower Man. So Leonard is actually a tits yeah, in my Yeah, Lawnmower Man. That movie has tits in it. Lots. I just rewatched <laughs> both those recently. Oh, really? I forgot there was a Lawnmower Man too. Do you remember that? Yes, it's so fucking bad. It's so bad. I mean, it's it's unwatchable bad. Like I won't even. I'm not never no, watching watched it again. No, I watched it like you six did? months oh, ago and, and reviewed it for our site. Man, it was it's. It's, uh, I remember I remember when it came out because I was like, oh, shit, no way. There's a Lawnmower Man 2. It's so fucking bad. It's 87 minutes, and it took me three sittings to get through it. I mean, the first one's bad, but this is like but The first one I watched the director's cut off, so it went from about two oh, really? hours to two hours and 30 minutes, so that one wasn't as good as I thought it was. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's a dumb fucking movie to begin with. Yeah, but it's fun. Maybe we'll yeah. have to do a retro on that. But we'll be back next week with you guys for our new podcast, episode 306, I believe. No, 307. Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting we're doing so many podcasts nowadays. Nine, we want to thank you guys million. for... Yeah. So you got Lambert over there. Are you talking to me, McLeod? 
<laughs> McLeod. Are you talking to me from the back? <laughs> McLeod. I think the only thing that's going to lure Sean Connery out of retirement is going to be Highlander Part 6. What do you think? No, well, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm, there I'm was gonna... talk. There was mm-hmm. talk that Cruz was going to take over that role in the reboot. I know, but there was that. I mean, that was talk. Exactly. Well, it's like Tom Hardy now, right? He was the last guy. Uh, which would be actually, I mean, that would be pretty good. <laughs> think so? Yeah, because it, that because Tom. Well, first of all, Tom Hardy's fucking awesome. Um, even just as an actor, so there's no way that um, that if he was involved with this, that it wouldn't be something because he would drop out if it was no good. Um, uh, so he's he's got a stamp of approval. He's got a quality. He seal. does. Well, he dropped right. I mean, uh, the word on the street is he dropped out of Suicide Squad because that role got small because of Will Smith. Um, and he, if you look at all of his past um, performances and stuff, the, the dude's like a real actor. <laughs> I agree. I'm a big fan of Warrior. I know you don't like it, but I'm yeah, but he's really good fan. in it. And Bronson. So, so I would be down to watch that movie. I think that would be at least they would at least try. It might still be a piece of shit because it's fucking Highlander, but <laughs> you just don't want the version with Shia <laughs> you know? uh, Yeah, well, that might be really good too. I don't know. I mean, you'd have like Channing Tatum play know. the Sean Connery role, and you got Shia LaBeouf exactly. playing. Exactly. Well, I think they were like, like Batista was going to play Kurgan and shit. Oh, um, okay. I mean, it could have been interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that could have been like, I could have seen that. But they, I, I mean, uh, you're talking like a major rewrite, right? <laughs> you know, from this Me. fucking thing to that would have to have been so big. I don't know. How would you do it? I don't, I don't think, think we'll could. ever see a reboot of this. Yeah, probably not. Franchises. Buried firmly in the past where people. Well, unless Weinstein Company gets a hold of it, they'll make some direct to videos. They've done wonders okay. with the Hellraisers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They only put about nine of those out that nobody saw. Uh, that's going to wrap up our podcast for today. We want to thank you guys for joining us. Check out moviemavericks.com for the latest reviews, past podcasts. Also, you can find us at TalkShoe, Stitcher, and, of course, iTunes. Thanks again for joining us. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I'm Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks.
Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! <laughs>